Lord, I want to thank you for Anthea and all she brings. And I just thank you for the example she is to us. And I pray that through this talk you'd bless her and bless us and that we'd have open minds and open hearts to hear the word she speaks this morning. And it'd be a great time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good to see you all. Well, I don't quite know how to follow that. <laughs> That's going to be making me chuckle all week. So you should have found an invitation on your seat. If you haven't, there's one on the seat very near you. You'll find your invitation. How are you going to use it? That's my question for you all this morning. How are you going to use this invitation? Uh, this is meant to be a jubilee theme, not to imply that God is British. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it's also a single-handed attempt to sprinkle glitter over all of you and all the, over all the schools. So. <laughs> but however, I have taken time to hand-decorate each one. So you're, you're all invited, and uh, you're all individually invited, hand-decorated invitations. What are you going to do with it? So I'm going to speak to the children and the young people first, if that's okay. Like I'm just looking around who's here. There's Lily and Henry and Zephy, Bella. We've got Jonah and Flo and Willow and Sophie. I think that's all. Anybody else to identify as a young person? <laughs> Keith and Sally and Paul. <laughs> Perfect. Jacob? <laughs> On that cusp. Okay, so I'm just going to read, because it's quite long and I didn't uh, find a volunteer. I'm just going to read a parable. It's a story, kids, to you from Luke's Gospel. Um, and it's, it's uh, with our theme this morning, it's about a banquet, it's about a feast, it's about a party. Uh, then Jesus turned to his host and said, when you throw a banquet... Don't just invite your friends, relatives or rich neighbours, for it's likely they'll return the favour. It's better to invite those who never get an invitation. If you invite the poor to your banquet, along with the outcast, the handicapped, the blind, those who could never repay you the favour, then you will experience a great blessing in this life. When they heard this, one of the dinner guests, because Jesus was at a dinner party, said to him, someday God will have a kingdom feast and how happy will be the ones who get to share in that joy. And so Jesus, instead of saying yes, replied, as he often did, with a parable, which is a sort of special kind of story. And he said, a man invited many people to join him in a great feast. And when the day for the feast arrived... The man, the host, instructed his servant to notify all the guests and tell them, come along now because everything's ready for you. But one by one, all the guests made excuses. One said, I can't come, I just bought some property and I have to go and have a look at it. Another said, please accept my regrets for I have just purchased five teams of oxen and I need to make sure they can pull the plough. And another one said, I can't come because I just got married. So the servant told the host all their excuses and then the master became a bit angry and he said to his servant, well, in that case, go out once throughout the city and invite anyone you find, the poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, the lonely, invite them to my banquet. And the servant returned and he said, well, I've done what you asked, but you know, there's still room. So the master told him, all right, go out again and this time bring them all back with you, all of them. 
Persuade everyone, the beggars on the streets, the outcasts, the homeless, insist that they all come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. And I say to you, no one who receives an invitation to feast with me and makes excuses will ever enjoy my banquet. So that's the story today. And um, kids, you've got an invitation too. And uh, I just wanted you, if you could just for a moment, bear with me, just imagine... So this is an invitation, and just imagine that you're having a party. Maybe it's your birthday party, or it's a, a special event party, just a party party. And um, I mean, maybe you've been to a party this week, to a jubilee party, to a party at wildfires, to something that you've done. So we've been celebrating, haven't we, for the Queen this week. And it's been a great party. It was a great one last night at Buckingham Palace. Anyway, this is your party, and you've invited all your friends and your favourites, and basically everyone you want is going to be there. Yeah? Can you picture who all those people might be sitting in the room with you? Yeah? Ah, but guess what? None of them can come. They all sent excuses. And guess what? They're really rubbish excuses. Not very good excuses. So, thinking back to what I was just reading, it's not a test, honest, I can help you. Um, who, will you who are you going to invite? Who will you invite? It's a real question. Bella. Jesus, good start. Always invite Jesus. I'll give you a little help. It could be, well, it probably won't be beggars and thieves like in the story, but it could be that naughty kid at school, the one you don't like very much. It could be the quiet one that nobody talks to. Seems all right, but you just don't know who they are. The smelly one? The big issue seller outside Sainsbury's? That old lady next door? Who are you going to invite? Have another think. Any ideas? Anyone you can think of? Bella. A homeless person. We do see them, don't we, outside Sainsbury's? It's often somebody sat there. I bet they don't get invited to parties or dinners or anything. It's a good thought. A really good thought. Anyone else? Lily, Henry? Think of anyone? Well, the point is, is that, and these are really good answers, is that we don't leave anyone out. That everybody is invited. That we, we, let, we include everyone. And that's what Jesus asked us to do. So um, that's the bit for you. The kids now get to go off with Kaz and do something very exciting around the corner. All of you invite, even the little ones. I think, uh, every, oh, yeah. So Flo and everybody, you're all invited to go around the corner. And while we're doing that, I'd like another volunteer just to come and read something. From. Paul Derris, you're really good at reading things out. Could you do this for me? Yeah. It's not a volunteer. I've just press-ganged him. Yeah. Just read that for me in your best reading voice. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, and they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, 
I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Brilliant, thank you. And that's uh, the parable as found in Matthew's Gospel. It's quite likely that Jesus told the parable many times, and this is a different, it's not the same story, it's a different version, but it is interesting for this morning. You know, I was just thinking as we were preparing that there are are like loads of stories, aren't there, across the um, Gospels of Jesus hanging out in uh, events, parties, weddings, feasts, suppers, dinner parties, um, having lunch, having a big picnic. I'm losing my crown. I'm not going to keep putting that back on again. It'll be distracting. And I was just thinking that um, it, it seems that Jesus, or we can see, can't we, that Jesus lived his life in community and that out of those spaces, the spaces, those communal spaces, came healings and teachings and all the awesome stuff that he did that shows us the very nature of God. And yet he did spend time on his own, but we don't read that he was on his own, that he went off on his own, and then he came back on his own, and then he taught, and then on his own he healed. It doesn't, doesn't work like that, does it? It was out of relational experiences that came his ministry, came all the things that he did. God's relational, and Jesus shows us a God who wants to be with us, wants to be intimately relational with us. That's just an aside, really. But this parable illustrates very much that the kingdom of God is like a party, and we're all kings and queens at this party. And the good news is that we're all invited, everyone. Have you got your invitation? What are you going to do with it? You can ignore it. You can throw it away. You can pop it on the shelf and think, oh, that's pretty, or it's sparkling. Look at it occasionally. You can wave it in the air. Or you can just come to the party. So... I haven't got a long time to speak this morning, and I could talk about how to read and approach the parables. I could talk about the fact that they're not true, but they do draw on humour and cultural references of the time. They're often exaggerated, and uh, the exaggeration is used for shock and effect to make us stop and think. And the king in the story probably doesn't exactly represent God. I could look with you at the context this is written in and what Matthew had in mind. Matthew writes a lot about the kingdom of God, Jesus, the Messiah King, and this upside-down nature of Jesus' messianic kingdom. And that this parable sits in in the flow of story in Matthew um, amongst stories about the clash of two kingdoms, the Roman and the Jewish one. The Jews are occupied by the Romans, and they're used to rulers and kings and people in power who expect things of them. I could talk about all of that, but that's for another time. 
What jumped out at me were three things. Firstly, everyone is invited. And the other two were about the king or the host of the party being a bit offended in a couple of ways. One, people not turning up or people not using the invitation. Um, And the other one was somebody just arriving in the wrong clothes. That's what I was thinking about it. What are you doing with your invitation? So we've had a really fun week this week, haven't we? Um, We've been to several gatherings, parties, feast-type things. We've been to wildfires. Uh, We had an amazing time there. Uh, We went on Friday night to Abba Voyage. Don't get me distracted. (laughs) So good. A a splendid jubilee party yesterday at the Hopkinsons. Thank you again, Pete and Ali, for just opening your wonderful home to us and hosting us because it's just just such a blessing. And we said this was the first time we sort of gathered in that way since before COVID, and it was just really, really special. Um, And we've also been to a family wedding Actually, just going back to my first thought about everyone was invited and me going to Abba Voyage. Um, on the way there across London, we were on the Tube and the Docklands Light Railway, and I don't know about you, but I just love to people watch. And as we're kind of travelling into the realms of East London, where I don't tend to go very often, I'm just watching all the different people and, you know, really, really coming out of my Marlowe middle-class white bubble. There's people from all, all, all nations, cultures, genders, um, sexualities and hairstyles. And, you know, the nearer we got to the ABBA concert, people dressed up in gold lame. And, and it, was just, it was just fantastic. And I was just thinking, because this talk was on my mind, I was just thinking about all being invited, that we are all invited to God's party. And that was the first point, and that was the one I was making with the kids. Uh, I think that's a good place to start when we're teaching children, isn't it? So, my second point, what do we do? What are we going to do with this invitation? So I'm going to illustrate that point by just telling you two stories of people I met at this wedding. Um, It was Paul's nephew's wedding. I didn't really know. We know some of the family, but we're the smaller side of the family, weren't we? So there's one woman, and I don't quite know how we got on to talking about this, but anyway, she was telling me about how she'd been part of this big, lively, evangelical church for many, many years, that she'd helped on various rotors, um, she'd led children's work and such like. Her kids had grown up there, and they'd enjoyed church life very, very much. But it all changed, apparently, when their vicar left and a new one arrived. And she described the new one as it was a bit like the Von Trapp family. And I thought, oh dear, I sometimes joke about us Rattans being a bit like the Von Trapp family. But we were kind of born and bred here. We weren't imported and suddenly imposed on a church, which seems to be what happened, that the the new vicar arrived. And uh, maybe wisely or not wisely, I don't know, made many changes very quickly to the church, to the style of worship. And many people became upset, and a lot of them left. And this woman and her family also left. Um, and they'd, made a, they'd re- moved house. They weren't in the same area anymore. And I, I just asked her gently. Obviously, I had only just met her. I just asked her gently if she'd found a church community p- to be part of where she lived. And she said, no, she hadn't. Um, but they, she said, oh, we just try to live a good Christian life, she said. So that was the first story. Um, thinking about how you're using your invitation. The second woman was a little bit older. And uh, she'd been a missionary 
I don't quite know how these, we got onto these conversations. I think the word, I think the word is out that we lead church because well, I wasn't like asking to talk about my faith or what we do. But anyway, it's interesting, isn't it? You, things get round. And anyway, she'd been a missionary, um, and she was very active in her local church. And as far as I could work out, had been most of her life. She seemed a really prayerful, God-focused woman. Her children were spread all over the world in different places, and one of them we found out worked for World Vision, although couldn't quite work out. If, they were new poor. I suspect they probably did know Paul when he was there. But she, she also mentioned how things have been hard in church for her and different nowadays, and that one of her children told her she was judgmental. Um, and she was reflective about this. Uh, she wasn't close to that. She was just reflect, kind of a bit perplexed and wondering about it. Um, yeah, just prayerfully wondering. And the funny bit was she asked me what I did working for the church. It was a really noisy wedding, so I said, I'm the leader. And she said, you do the admin? I said, no, no, I'm the pastor. He said, you do the youth work? I said, no, I am the leader. I said, oh, I don't know. She's particularly used to women leaders. <laughs> uh, so two women, two different stories. Anna, I just leave you to reflect on the use of their invitation. There's a thing, isn't there, about weddings? Um, uh, you know about them way in advance. And I don't know about you, but I do worry a little bit about what to wear probably been worrying since I got the invitation what am I going to wear to this wedding will it be a hat sort of a wedding oh, I haven't really got a hat well I have I've got that funny straw hat but that wouldn't really be appropriate to wear to a wedding and uh, will it be a will I have to wear a fascinator I don't even really know what a fascinator is and I don't quite know how I put it on my head oh my goodness they're really expensive I'm not wearing a fascinator and um is it for a long dress or a short dress type of a wedding um will Paul need to wear a tie and a suit has Jacob even got any clothes to wear to the wedding? <laughs> oh dear, and can I just wear something that's in the wardrobe? Um, will that do? Or have they all seen me in that before? Will anybody even notice? It's not about me. Is this just me or is this just me that does this before I go to a wedding? Or, or all sorts of events, really. Not just me. Phil says it is just me. Yeah. <laughs> go with the white dress. Yeah. Also, you don't want to upstage the bride, do you? I was looking at some dresses thinking, never upstage the bride by appearing in the wedding photos in this astonishing outfit so that for years to come, all the um, relatives say, and who was that? <laughs> don't do that either. But it is important what you wear, isn't it? Not just about fitting in, um, not just for oneself in a proud sort of a way, but it's about honouring the bride and groom. It's about showing respect and, and out of love, you want to be dressed right, even if it is a bit out of your comfort zone. And uh, weddings and parties back in Jesus' time were the same. People would wear party robes or, or wedding robes, which were plain white. I think I read somewhere that the host would give the guests the robes to wear. Oh my goodness, that would take the angst out of being at a wedding, wouldn't it? <laughs> Here are, wear this. It's like, phew. <laughs> so... Uh, so maybe that's why in the parable this, this king is really surprised to see that his guest is not in a robe because the man, or the guest, has deliberately not worn it. There, wasn't, there was opportunity and he's not taken that opportunity. What do you do with this invitation? So clothes then, in this story, clothes represent identity. It's what we clothe ourselves in. So it's the metaphor, isn't it? Who we are, how we see ourselves, how God sees us. God sees us, doesn't he, as precious children of God, as his precious children, and wants to dress us in the clothes only God can give us. 
And I just love the verses that Bella read to us from Revelation 19, about fine linen shining bright and clear has been given to her, the bride. That's us, that's the church, that's, that's us to wear. And the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of God's holy believers. And in Colossians 3, verse 12, we also read, it says, You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe, clothe yourself with the virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen, invited, to be holy. I just love that. I just love that idea. And we're chosen just to put on these robes, these crowns. We're chosen to put it on. So when you first get the invitation, you arrive and you sit at the feast and you feel blessed and you feel great and you will be overwhelmed by how much God loves you and how important you are to God. And gradually in this space, you will begin to see, I think, other parts of you, other bits of you that perhaps you don't like as much that some call our sort of shadow side. And a a wise teacher, Richard Raw, says, "With, with Jesus, we find the power to hold the pain of life until it transforms us. Because you see, I don't think God, I don't think anyone believes that God wants people to say the same as they are. Do you think anybody believes that? Just kind of, just the same, and there's God, and there's you. I think all are invited into Jesus' upside-down kingdom, but we will all change. It's inevitable. When you get to know someone you love and who loves you and who has the power to heal and change you, you put on the clothes. Clothes of love, humility, joy, peace, holiness, repentance, which means turning things around, changing things, doing things differently. And loving God should always mean being open to change. Jesus is all about transformation and wholeness. That's why I love this God. This, this parable is all about, is just what I'm all about. It's about inclusion and it's about transformation. And that's what I love about Jesus. So just the question is, really, this morning, what will you do with your invitation? And uh, on Pentecost Sunday, it's important to remind us that the Holy Spirit is here to help us. The Holy Spirit's not out there somewhere. The Holy Spirit is here with us, in us. So just to finish... Um, you might want to just pick up the invitation. It's just a little symbol, and then you'll definitely get covered in glitter. <laughs> um, so for some of you, this might be the first time you've received the invitation. Will you come to the party? It's as simple as that. You're invited. Yay! But hey, for the rest of us, and that's most of us, I think, it's a continual invitation, and we are wearing the clothes But my challenge for us today, and there's always a little challenge, is are your clothes looking a bit grubby? That white robe we've been given, is it a bit grubby? And just what needs to happen for our our clothes to be shining white again? Simple question about the ongoing use of this just wonderful invitation. So let's pray together. Wonderful King Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting us to your party and for clothing us with your very self. And just simply, Holy Spirit, we ask you today to wash out a few stains. Help us wash out a few stains so that we can keep on partying. Amen.